Yo, hello. hello. Are we live? We're here. Yeah. We are. Well, are I we? see us. Where? I see us on the YouTube. Do you really? I do. I'm waving to the people on the YouTubes. Oh my God, you're right. We are live. Oh my God, kids, you caught us. We're still, I was still doing pre-show. <laughs> a lot of people died this week, but we'll get to that later, man. Before we do anything, let's take this moment, kids, to say welcome to Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Hey. Oh. Um, so much to talk about. So much to cover. Um, getting, I'm on a deadline because I'm going to get on a, uh, ooh, normally I appoint to an invisible watch, but I do have a Fitbit. <laughs> um, I'm going to get uh, on a plane tonight from Los Angeles and fly to New Jersey to interview the Russo brothers. That's right. Cinemas. Um, pop that up there, JC, if you got it. Uh, yeah, man, that's tomorrow night in New Jersey. If you're anywhere on the East coast, I think there's something like 20 tickets left. Um, join us eight o'clock Friday nights, my castle cinemas. I'm going to sit there and interview uh, Joe and Anthony Russo talk about their careers, ask them about all the Marvel stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Mm -hmm. And to get to the bottom of their feud with Martin Scorsese. Oh my God. <laughs> all that as well. um, yeah, man, come on out. It's going to be a good time. I'm going to ask them questions. You can ask questions. Oh, what merry times uh, they'll be. Two of the biggest directors on the planet coming to Smodcastle Cinema's kids. That's tomorrow night, Friday night, no, uh, November 2nd, 3rd, 3rd, uh, 8 p.m., man. Tickets at smodcastlecinemas.com. And then the next day, I'm going out to Minnesota for the Twin Cities Con. Woo, you're flying, man. And look at that. Look at that Mallrats lineup, man. Me, Jay Muse, Jay Lee, Jay London, Jay Supli, Ethan Supli. Um, and a bunch of clerks, cats going to be there. So if you're anywhere near Minnesota, home of the mall rats, where we shot the picture, fuck, <laughs> come on, hang out, shit like that. But in any event, uh, tonight we're going to go, I got to stop at nine 30. So I got to grab my bags. I tail it to the, uh, to the airport, man, and head back East. I always get nervous saying that like, um, you know, just remember, remember, remember the Buddy Holly story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't the real thing, but the movie, like, doesn't in my head, the movie ends with him going, we got to catch a plane. And well, even more, it's the, it's the Richie Valens part of it, right? Like Richie Valens was the deathly afraid of flying. It's like, this one's going to be fine. We got to get back to wherever. It's like, okay, I guess I'll trust it. That was a scary. I know we just came from Halloween and shit, and uh, everyone should be talking about spooky stories or were the other night. But when I was a kid, that terrified me. I don't know if it was the Buddy Holly story, the one with Gary Busey, but there was a movie about Buddy Holly where it ends with him literally saying on stage, like, we got a plane to catch. And knowing what happened, you know, in real life. As a kid, I watched that movie and I was like, they freeze frame on his face. And I was like, it's fucking terrifying. I can go fucking the 70s and the 80s were full of freeze frames that were fucking terrifying. <laughs> really knew how to end a thing back then. Mm -hmm. uh, kids, 
Yeah. How was your Halloween? Mark, what did you did you I see you went to like Jim Lee's house for Halloween? I did. He has a he has a party. Oh, he used to have a party every year, then took like six years off. But I guess he did not purge the roles of the uh of the the guest list. And so I, I got the nod and went back to uh to, to to Mr. Lee's house, dressed up as Morpheus from uh from the Matrix. It was, it was it was a Warner Brothers themed party, and given that I'm no longer on strike, I could uh, avail myself of the costumes from the studio, and uh, and yeah, found like the one black dude who's not a superhero, and uh, and dressed up like him, and had a lovely time. I'm just gonna go back to like you're all tight with Jim Lee enough to go to his house and shit. On how does yeah. that happen? Uh, I I don't know really. I don't know, but uh, but no, Jim. Jim has been, I've been in his peripheral orbit. He's been in my central orbit for like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since I pitched him a comic book and he said yes. And uh, and yeah, so he invited me. Like I've been to his house to watch Star Trek movies. He's a giant Trekkie. Um, how, do we get, how, do, how do I get invited to share? <laughs> if you wanted to go, I'm pretty sure you can reach out. I can't go as your guest. Like, what if you show up with me? And he's like, I, "If I, Mark, come here. If I wanted him here, <laughs> he's dressed as Silent Bob again. Yeah. I know he wears the same costume every year of his life. <laughs> Not just Halloween. Um, I get it. It's screen used. I know. Are they having a Captain Marvel premiere? You think? Um. I think they're having fan events, is what they're calling them now. How do we get invited to a fucking fan event? I have, once again, <laughs> a giant comic book movie's coming out, and I feel like we're persona non grata. I'm not complaining. I'm just, <laughs> I'm asking. How do you, how do you get in on some of that free action? I'm just curious. <laughs> Less than what is it, ten days or something like that until yeah, opens next uh, this Friday, next Friday the 10th um so much to talk about tonight kids indeed yeah hard out at 9 30 hard out at 9 30 so mm. i can and go back east talk to the russo brothers man but tonight talking mark Narden right here on fat man beyond kids and as per usual somebody's paying for that <laughs> indeed yeah, um, so we'd like to thank uh our sponsor kids fume Head to tryfume.com, T-R-Y-F-U-M.com, and use the code. What do you fat think? Man. I bet you're fat man. man. All one word? Yeah. To save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version two fume to help kickstart your positive habits, kids. That's tryfume, T-R-Y-F-U-M.com. And use the code FATMAN to save an additional 10% off on your order uh, today. Be smart. Don't start, man. Kick the habit and put it out before it puts you out. All phrases we've heard hundreds of times, yet we still continue to do the bad habits, man. Um, Our sponsor, Fume. Kids, they're on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral nice to use plants and behavioral science <laughs> to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one fume is not a vape 
It's a non-electronic device designed to transform your negative habits, man. Instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious flavors, man. Fume's new version 2 model is snappy and tactile with an adjustable airflow dial and a magnetic end cap. Your fingers will always have something to do. Always have something to do. Mark, take over. The easiest way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one. And Fume is designed perfectly to do just that. It's Fume's goal to make switching easy and even enjoyable. They have thousands of five-star reviews from people just like you who've successfully switched when other solutions just didn't work. So head to tryfume.com, T-R-Y-F-U-M.com, and use the code FATMAN at checkout to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors, like Kev said, and the new version 2 Fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's tryfumefum.com, and use the code FATMAN to save an additional 10% on your order. Uh, we thank the good folks at Fume for sponsoring this here show, man. Go chest, test them out, kids. Indeed. Um, tryfume, T-R-Y-F-U-M.com. Okay. Yeah. You been watching anything? I have been because I've been sick, man. Oh, uh, no. And not with the COVID. I took tests and no COVID. But, like, I've had a like a head and chest cold that I have not been able to shake. It's not, like, killing me or weakening me or whatever. Like, you know, two weeks ago, you know, I had a kind of rough first day. But, well, again, not not COVID. Something must be going around. But even now, like, I was blowing my nose earlier today and, like, real fucking thick yellowy shit came out, which mm. is a good sign. So, um, well, actually, it is a good sign. Is that yellow, true? It is because that is when your body is attacking it and expelling the germs that are in it. It's bad when it's just clear. Clear is, is just bad? like, we're kind of fucked up. But when like you're coughing, you're expectorating, and when your snot is all green and shit, that's the bad stuff getting out of you. So it's, it's a sign of progress. There it is, man. I'm getting better. We learned a thing. Fucking thanks to <laughs> the wizard. Um, so I've had time to watch some stuff. Uh, shall we start with Loki? We absolutely can. Because I just watched it. Like, literally, you know, fucking less than half an hour ago. It's episode five. Yes. I've not seen five yet. I'm still I'm still on four. Or I've seen like four. Maybe I should hold back on five because how many people are that current? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially because even technically West Coast, you're not supposed to get it till nine. No, six o'clock, it says on the Disney Channel. Nine o'clock East Coast, six o'clock West Coast. Oh, oh yeah. They're, you think Disney would give me anything or anybody anything? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. How do we... Uh, I mean, we can talk about four. You saw four, right? I saw four. Um, and, I and, and like, listen, I, I liked the first episode quite a bit because, like, I didn't know what was going on, but that's fine because it was the Mobius and Loki show. And I like I like Owen Wilson. I like Tom Hiddleston. I like watching them two together. Like, it's cool. It was fun catching up with old friends. As the show progressed, I, uh, I, I stopped understanding the little that I understood about what was going on. Um, and more to the point, I didn't know why anything was happening. Like, it seems to be a show, at least up until the end of episode four, that was about saving a bureaucracy, a bureaucracy that I didn't really understand the need of or the, the, the value of like, we got to save the TVA. It's like, I don't care. I don't, I just, I kind of don't. 
Like I, I'm invested in TV when it's about character. Um, and it was, it was always maddeningly frustrating to be like, what does Loki want in any episode? What, what does he want? What does Victor Timely want? What does Mobius want? What does anybody want other than this kind of MacGuffin chase of we got to get the thing to put on the loom to open the blast doors to stop the whatever. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, unless, unless you attach it to character, unless you attach it to emotion, it's just a thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. And too much of the show has felt like just we're doing stuff. We don't know why we just kind of are. Um, I, mean, I think it's six. So tonight is five. Tonight is five. And then the 10th is the, finale. yeah, the 10th is the, no, the ninth is the finale. Is that for sure? Only six episodes? Yeah. Um, they, uh, it seems like they're building their sets, no? There's a lot of like construction happening. There's a lot of like, we, we, we built this cafeteria. We built this whatever. Not a lot of volume shooting on this. Like we recreated a 1982 McDonald's just because we kind of wanted to. I've shot there a few times. They used that again this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, in episode four, a spoiler warnings, kids. We saw Victor Timely, um, uh, you know, uh, meet some sort of end um, <laughs> of the the um, how they undo people. Mm-hmm. I, it looks like licorice or yeah, string theory, <laughs> just gubbly gook. Yeah, somebody said online postification. Um, <laughs> cool as the you know dusting was from uh, from Thanos, like watching people. Doesn't seem like as horrible a death, man. <laughs> You're just lazy. It's, it's just kind of like turn into spaghetti and shit. There's something kind of sweet about it. Um, it looks like what Scarlet Witch did to Reed Richards. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Did you see the story this week where they confirmed that Scarlet Witch died in Multiverse of Madness? Did they? Who, who was it? Who confirmed? Marvel. Oh, really? Like she's dead. She's never coming back. <laughs> and none of them are. Cut yes. to. <laughs> we need money. <laughs> I mean, like. We always knew that Secret Wars was bringing, if not everybody, then the people that you wanted back. Like, you know, that, that, was, their, that was their way in. That was their, like, listen, we know that you're not loving this, but guess what you're going to get? We will spend all of the money and we will get you all of the characters. Living, dead, doesn't matter. As I've seen so many fucking articles. We'll talk about it when we get to the news. Mm-hmm. Big article this week from Who Variety. Yeah, did yeah. a deep dive on Marvel, and uh, so the internet lit up for the last forty-eight hours with all the details of this article. Um, we'll get into it pretty, uh, pretty heavily, but um, you know, in terms of, I, I my guess is enjoy your Loki while you got it, kids. <laughs> <laughs> the, the article, man, like. They're gonna stop. They're gonna rein it all in. They're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna curb like these huge things and make less. Yeah, like I. I don't know what else is coming down the pike TV wise for them. I know Echo 
Daredevil. Eventually. Which, yes, which they've suddenly just kind of thrown out the creative team or, or moved on to a different creative team. I don't know how you express it. Yeah. Um, but like the 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 giant hose that used to be Disney Plus and Marvel seems to have throttled way back. Um animation still seems to be kicking. Like there's still some stuff. There's a what if season two coming. There's I think there's more Groot coming. <laughs> I think they have a couple of things that are in that pipeline because they kind of have like Marvel Zombies, I think, is coming. Like you in order to get that shit done, you gotta start that way early out. Right. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to pull the plug in there because the, the sunk costs are too high. Um, but the live action stuff, it's like Echo was supposed to come in Thanksgiving, but I think they pushed it to 2024. Daredevil will get whenever we get it. And I think that's probably it. Like, I don't think there's a WandaVision season two. I don't think there's a Ms. Marvel season two. I don't think there's going to be a Falcon Winter Social season two because you get a Captain America New World Order movie. Like, I think that all of those things, like there's no Hawkeye season two, all those balls that they put up in the air, um, they're not just sort of letting fall to the ground. Um, before, you know, I, the, God, I want to get to that story. Um, so, yeah, lo, let's get back to Loki. So, Loki, um, we're seeing some of, you know, what's happening in Loki. It looks like it's going to pop up in the Marvels based on the latest Marvels trailer. Um, mm. Marvel's teaser trailer uh, shows an incursion which is something, of course, that Loki introduced us to um, in Loki season one, correct? Um, I thought it was. I thought the first time they mentioned the word incursion was at the end of Doctor Strange 2 um, when when Clea shows up. It already happened by before Doctor Strange 2 came out, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I, I think... Don't remember. I, I think, I think it was Loki that kind of defined and brought us into the world of the incursion. Looks like that teaser and a lot of reports online have been talking about uh, the Marvel's teaser ends with an incursion. Mm. Of the Marvel's ends with an incursion that looks like, based on this teaser, I ain't fucking saying anything one in this teaser. If I am, I'll tell you where we're going after that. But right now, um, now, again, these are spoilers and these are stories online. Not necessarily, this don't come from the horse's mouth, but, you know, we've seen a lot of stories online come true. Uh, they say that in the end that the movie they, is, uh, I mean, do we talk about this? It didn't even come out yet. I mean, we, we can put it under like deep rumor slash spoiler slash whatever. Yeah. Yeah, kids, don't get shitty if we talk about this and you're like, what? These are all in teasers and stuff. So if you don't want to anything. Yeah, it's all kind of speculative. Loki, uh, Langley Neely says, Loki has never mentioned incursions yet. What? I thought they did. Like, fucking, that's where I learned the word, I thought. Yeah, I didn't think so. I thought it. I thought the first time we heard it is when Clea shows up at the end of Doctor Strange 2 and was like, there's been an incursion. You have to come with me. And then off she goes. Um, but it's also been three years since I saw Loki season one, so I can't remember. Nightmare says Jim from the office was the first to say incursion, the incursion in the MCU. What is Reed Richards? Yeah. 
Um, I stand corrected. Yeah, no. Hazy Wave said, nope, incursion is Doctor Strange 2. Everyone's saying it's Doctor Strange 2. Uh, they did first episode of Loki during the animated short. They said something about incursions during the... Oh, boy. Yeah. It says, KV said, Reed Richards was the first one. Yeah. All right. So... Looks like uh, Captain Marvel's ends with an incursion that Monica Rambo stops, but then Monica Rambo winds up in the world that they were about to have an incursion with. And apparently in that world, Mark, mm-hmm. fucking. There's an X thing. That's how they're going to introduce the X-Men. Not all of them, but they said rumor online is that, uh, you know, you see in the teaser, somebody walks past Monica Rambeau, and it looks an awful lot like, uh, oh, God, what is the character's name? It's on the cover of that one X-Men issue. Um, not Entropy. Um, fuck, but it's her mom, essentially. Um, mm. uh, Maria Rambo. Right. And then they say it's also Beast will be there. Kelsey Grammer's Beast. Okay. So the uh, Deadpool 3 connection. All right. That's the next. <laughs> but it sounds like they added it just recently. Um. And that may have a lot to do with the news, you know, the story that broke uh, the other day, as it seems that Marvel is um, trying to course correct. Mm. Uh, but meanwhile, yeah, Loki's Loki's still happening. I do like that effect. I like watching people kind of unravel. <laughs> yeah. Way. Yeah, I just I, I wish I could be excited by it, you know. And I and again, like I like almost everybody in that show, um, but I just it it it's not it's not character based yet. And I haven't seen five. I don't know what happens in five. I you know it could be one of those things where it's the long game and we're giving you four episodes if we're not sure of what, and then we're starting to bring it home in five. I don't know yet, but four episodes in, and I don't know what anybody wants, um, and how what they're doing advances them towards that game um so it feels somewhat problematic to me um and again like pruning as the overall threat that we're trying to set they're pruning universes that's millions of people dying i don't care like they haven't made it personal they haven't made it personal in that like yes when thanos snapped and half the universe goes away but i saw half of the people that i've been following for 10 years go away also like, I understood what it meant because I saw the characters that I've been following either disappear or the effect of those people disappearing on them. But now it's just, we're pruning people. Okay. I mean, I guess it's probably abstractly bad, but it's not functionally emotional for me. Maybe I'm a monster. I don't know. <laughs> well, they have two more episodes to get you, if you're right, because five is up now. Right. Six is truly the end, then two more to grab you. I, you know, I'm, I'll watch now. I'm just watching for him. Mm-hmm. He's become one of my favorite actors in the MCU. 
Hey, Tom Hiddleston to fucking do this shit. (laughs) Every episode, throw his hair back. Yeah, I think there are a whole, like, TikTok accounts devoted to that Loki hair whip. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of darling. As I sit watching every week, I'm like, you did it again. There it is. Freaking game to be had from that fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) He tilts his head, you tilt yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, Loki's still happening, kids. Uh, You know, I I like the first round of Loki. And um, I think this one is... You know, the first one had that wicked, like, fucking, when they cut the, when the Time Lords or whatever the fuck were revealed as mm-hmm. puppets and they had that Wizard of Oz shit. Like, it was just a real rabbit hole. And this one doesn't feel as much like a rabbit hole, but I'll watch him and everyone else. I, he's a strong cast. Yeah. But there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, lot of, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot. And yet, not enough. Um, Do you see Bodies? I have not seen Bodies. Is it good? Oh, fantastic. Based on DC comic book, apparently. Really? Uh, based on comics. Um, graphic novel or like a Vertigo series? I'm not sure. I'm sure somebody in chat will let us know. Hmm. Oh, my Lord. So fucking watchable. Um, you know, per, like when Netflix picks like Sometimes they pick so insanely well. They just know <laughs> what we want to see, man. Like fucking, you know, Squid Game, um, fucking Tiger King or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've had many Stranger Things, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. but Bridgerton and fucking, but this is definitely just one of those things where it's like designed to, as soon as it's, the first one's done, you want to, pop the next one in and they're fucking Lay's potato chips of a show. Very well acted. Cool idea. The, the idea is in four different time periods in Whitechapel, England, the same body appears in four different eras. Different mm. cops from four different eras are trying to solve the mystery of who this fucker is. Time travels involved. It, it like from where it begins to where it goes, you're like, Oh shit! Like I remember watching it, being like, "There's no way this ain't like based on a sci-fi novel or a comic." And sure enough, somebody was like, "It's based on a comic book." I was like, "Oh my god, it's fantastic!" Um, great cast. Uh, you know, if you if you're one of those people who's like, "I love British procedurals," and I don't care what era they happen in. Hold on, <laughs> <laughs> bit of riches. This is going to be for you. Totally worth your watch. I don't want to say too much because spoil it, but oh my God. It's, uh, it, 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 they go some really interesting places with, with all the storylines and all the eras and, and the ultimate storyline that takes it all, you know, makes everything function. It's, it's some good shit. You would appreciate it. Tell me, is H.G. Wells a character? He honestly might as well. Have- <laughs> It's, I honestly, I would put it up there with Time After Time. Ooh. In terms of time crime movies. Oh, nice. Well done. I mean, this is a series, but it's worth your time. Bodies on Netflix. Um, I watched uh, the Beckham documentary series. Yeah. Um, about David Beckham. It's phenomenal. It's, it's phenomenal in the way that, like, 
BS high is phenomenal in that if you know nothing about football, um, like I don't, um, the story is, so, but the, the thing about it is, is he was also a pop cultural figure. He was a pop cultural titan if you grew up at a certain time, if you were alive in the world at a certain time. And like him and the romance with Posh Spice and the, the advertisements and the commercials and all that shit, like he was about as famous as famous can get. And so the way this documentary directed by, of all people, Fisher Stevens, um, yeah, uh, it takes four episodes to like just not only tell you the story of him as a, as a footballer, and what made him special and what made him um, one of the best to ever do it, but gets under the hood of him and Victoria gets under the hood of him and fame and paparazzi and moving to America and his relationship with his own fame and his family and his kids and his wife. And it's uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Highly recommended. Um, you, I mean, if anyone's going to make me give it a shot, it would be you. Yeah. Yeah. No. And Jen will dig it also. I think I was like, sliding past that tile but now maybe i'll take a peek i did see something online about she was ter- uh, talking about they're together someplace and she, well we came from working class families and he was like hold on go <laughs> <laughs> to school in. and she was like well rolls royce but he's like yeah. <laughs> he like shouts in from the other room he's like oi <laughs> was your father driving you to school in it's like well we had lots of cars no Tell him what he drove you to school in Rolls Royce. <laughs> and then the door closes. He just walks. He like, where's his, was he a rich kid growing up or no? He was not a rich kid. He was not a rich kid at all. But he, uh, his father played some football, but his father was, it's, it's like every sports story you've ever seen where like dad presses the kid into doing the thing that the kid may or may not really want to do but makes him great. Like makes him like, you're going to stand in that corner. You're going to take a corner shot. If you don't hit the crossbar, we're doing it again and again and again and again. And all of that repetition, all of those hours on the pitch would make him part of, you know, one of the best players ever to do it. Um, But yeah, didn't grow up rich. Like just kind of grew up working class. But then suddenly at like 19 years old is making all of the money in the world. Um, All right. Fucking worth checking out. Football. Um, football has been very good. <laughs> uh, all right, should we get into the into the marquee topic? Yeah, is that everything? Have we have we watch everything? I mean, is everything watched? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Oh no, I saw. What did I see? I watched you- Pain Killers. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if. With uh, Emily Blunt and uh, Chris Cap- Evans. Sevens. Watchable. Yeah. Watchable. Um, and I watched something else. What was it? Well, you texted me about Train to Busan. You were like, yo, Train to Busan. Holy fuck. <laughs> Last year, two years ago? <laughs> two years ago. For his like uh, top 10 for the year, Train to Busan. I was like, oh, I got to watch that one day. Fucking, so one day we were clicking around. I was like, Train to Busan. I was like, you know, Mark. Said this was pretty good. Holy fuck. That was wonderful. <laughs> I just finally watched Train to Busan. Holy shit. Um, yeah, man, that was fucking really good. Um, what else did I watch? I watched Painkillers. I watched Pain, Pain Hustlers. Hustlers, that's what it is. Um, and there was one other thing that I watched. 
Mm, it's escaping me. But there, mm-hmm. you watch some shit. All right, let's dive into the news because this is the whole reason we're doing this before I have to catch a flight back east to talk to two movers and shakers from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The dudes who made Endgame, for heaven's sakes. The brothers, Russo brothers. Tomorrow night, it's Modcastle Cinemas. Come join us, man. If you're in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, fuck. If you're in California, get on a plane. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Pick their brains. Be like, hey, man, how do I how do I make a movie? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Marvel, Mark, do you have the article there? Um, I've I've got the pertinent parts of the article. Uh, in your head, written down in my head, and my heart. Uh, it was a piece by Tatiana Siegel for Variety. You know her. You know her. I, I do. I worked with her at the Hollywood Reporter. Um, I did in my previous life. I was going to say, man, you know these people. Now you know the players involved. Look at you going to Jim Lee's Halloween party. Knows the lady that wrote the fucking Marvel article. You, you're connected, man. Moving and shaking, baby. See, this, <laughs> this, this was a beautiful friendship. I remember in the beginning, I could open doors for Mark. Now, Mark could open doors for me. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me Come on in, Ken. I'm going to be at your Christmas party. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh, oh, guess who's here? He's going to be like, Mark, if I wanted silent film here. <laughs> All right, so you vouch for the author of this piece. Some people in chat were like, hey, man, that was a hit piece. It didn't seem like a hit piece to me. No, I mean, I think that, that the the issue that happens with all these pieces is that the journalist has some of the... All of she has some of the picture, but not all the picture, um, and so is beginning to draw conclusions based on the part of the picture that she can see. And so I think that if all of it isn't entirely accurate, like there was, there was a bit about Blade, um, and it's focused. There was one draft that Blade was like the fourth tier character was focused on all these women, and let's, and let's go. Let's let's address these charges one by one. Right. All I'll say is like the screenwriter who had been on Blade and who wrote a draft was like, I never saw that version of the movie. I'm not going to say that it didn't happen after I was on it, but it definitely wasn't in any of the parts before it was on it. So it's like, but are there problems on Blade? Absolutely. So it's one of those like, she might not have had every bit of information, but enough to draw a conclusion that seems to bear out with fact. So we'll start from the top. Yeah, let's hit one by one. Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. So based on these, this story that came out, apparently within Marvel, and this was one of the aspects of this story that like broke the internet yesterday and today. Um, when uh, charges were filed against Jonathan Majors or, or when Jonathan Majors' legal troubles began, you know, Disney... All of the every all the world was like, "What's Disney gonna do?" And apparently, you know, everyone's like, "Disney didn't do a thing because he's Victor Timely's in Loki." Mm-hmm. But according to this article, there were discussions where they were like, "Look, if we have to pivot away from Kang, we could go right to Doctor Doom." We could, you know, like uh, apparently Marvel has an annual retreat in Palm Springs where they kind of go, and usually it's a bit of like, "Hey, look how awesome we did! Look how everything is great! What are we doing next?" What's the plan? What's our five, seven-year plan and how are we progressing on it? But apparently at this time, the uh, the most pressing issue was Jonathan Majors. 
and and basically what to do with him, given that they seem to have built this entire phase around Kang, to the point that like one of the Avengers movies is the Kang Dynasty. And so, what do we do? Do we recast the way they recast Terrence Howard with with Don Cheadle? Do they change the actual character? I mean, and they were also backed into a corner by the writer strike to a certain degree, which is, oh, uh, we have this we have this Loki show that if we rewrote it now, we can maybe diminish the Kang. We can maybe figure out a different way into it. We can maybe pull some of this stuff out. But there was nobody to rewrite it. There was nobody to reshoot it. So they were kind of trapped by the by a, a machine of their own devising. Um, and they were also somewhat um, nonplussed by the fact that Quantumania did not blow up the way they thought it would. And um, box office-wise and critically, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania did not sizzle. It did not land the way they hoped it would. Um, by that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were like, oh, we thought we thought this was great. And caught them off guard. The word is they were like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, how, you didn't like this? We, th- we, we all internally think it's amazing. And then the audience was like, no, we actually don't agree. Um, and so one, one top dealmaker who's quoted in the piece says, Marvel is truly fucked with the whole Kang angle. Um, and they haven't had an opportunity to rewrite until very recently, but I don't see a path to how they move forward with him. You know, and right now the other thing is, do we just pivot to somebody else? Do we pivot to Doctor Doom? Um, somebody online was like, Doctor Doom deserves his own run-up, but it's like, yeah, and this will be it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's they are going to be making a Fantastic Four movie, of which I would bet you dollars to donuts that Doom is the bad guy. And so, you know, this would like would be Loki, and then at some point in the next two years, you get a Fantastic Four movie, which can then re contextualize where Kang is in terms of the next three or four big tentpole movies for that. Somebody's asking in chat if something could be done about my audio. Is it bad? Um, I think it's only bad when we are kind of talking at the same time. And I think one or both of us drop out <laughs> when that happens, but I don't know what we can do. Um, okay. What else is in that article? Um, the Marvels seems to be uh, also a, a bit of a crisis point for them. Um, the movie cost about $250, $250, $250 million to make, and it's tracking to open to about 75 to $80 million, which is not just far below what Captain Marvel grossed, but it's even far below the $185 million that Doctor Strange 2 took in last weekend. Um, and it seems to have been, I mean, they keep talking about reshoots as a bad thing, but Marvel has always built in time to do additional photography because that's how Kevin Feige likes to make movies. And it's worked incredibly well for him in that go shoot the movie you want to make, bring it back. We'll see what's missing. Feige will say, we need a beat for this. We need a beat for this. We need a beat for this. They go back and they get those beats and they complete the movie that way. So it's not reshoots based on crisis. It's just their process. Um, but I think, you know, and, and according to this piece, eyebrows were raised again when uh, director Nia DaCosta began working on another film while the Marvels was still in post-production. The filmmaker moved to London earlier this year to begin prepping for her Tessa Thompson movie, Hedda. Um, 
If you're directing a $250 million movie, it's kind of weird for the director to leave with a few months to go, says a source familiar with the production. Also seems weird in the like, yeah, no, everybody's doing four jobs at once. And so... And also, let's be honest, like... um. You know, I, Billy, I, you know, I, I've never been like, I've never made a movie big enough to walk away from smaller. Be the more you have to fucking be there to bring it home and shit like that. And, you know, for me, I start dialing out of a movie once I have the cut. But see, yeah. I'm cutting while we're shooting the movie, basically like two days after wrap, I got my cut and I'm like, ah, and there it is. And then the rest is kind of like, you hand it over to people that mix it and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I'll start thinking about another project before the project's done. But I've never worked on a gigantic movie, so I can't, you know, necessarily speak to that. That being said, when I was a kid, and I don't think it's gone away, but, you know, one of the biggest film stories of my youth was Steven Spielberg left Jurassic Park before it was done to go work on Schindler's List. And, you know, it, it, it's not, I saw a bunch of people going after the director being like, oh, you go, oh my God, I can't believe the director walked away. You you know, these movies are not auteur driven films in as much as like, without that voice, how will we be able to finish the movie? As we've all known for the, entire run of the marvel universe the there's there is a voice of authorship behind all those movies but generally speaking it belongs to kevin feige um and in a world where it's like you've got tons of special effects to produce and whatnot you know like a director getting ready to work on another movie that i didn't bump into that part of the story at all a lot online seemed to but like that's that that is not like somebody who's not doing a good job that for in in the big case of those big movies particularly with directors who are in demand you know they they they've got a few irons in the fire but mm. but anyway the thing that i oh look at look who it is kids it's Banff man i'm Banff man i'm just going to point out also francis for coppola left the conversation to make godfather 2 both nominated for Best Picture in the same year, or one after right. the other, I think. So, there, I mean, there is precedent for it, even at the top of the top directors going back 50 years. Yeah, and I don't think it's a case so much of, like, leaving one to do the other, because Spielberg, as I remember, was, like, overseeing post on on one while on set of the other. Like, he could be in his trailer looking at cuts, and I don't remember the order whether it was Schindler's had been wrapped and he was doing post on Schindler's while doing Jurassic or vice versa. But like, yeah, it's multitasking at, a, at the highest level. And when you're dealing with this kind of thing, when you're dealing with this kind of career, when you're dealing with a Marvel movie, when to your point, Kevin, you're not, you know, it's not like you're slicing frames or film yourself. It's like you're getting cuts from a, direct from an avid and you're looking at stuff and you're sending back notes and you're giving notes on score. You'll be there when you need to be there, but otherwise it's emails. Well, these are movies by committee. I don't think I'm saying anything out of order. Um, you know, it's, it's, you've got a lot of people working on these. They have directors, don't get me wrong, but you know, there was a reason that Edgar Wright was like, no, thanks. Mm -hmm. 
making Ant-Man, he's used to being the voice on the movie, the you know, the, the vision behind it. And when you jump into the Marvel pool, you're taking on somebody else's ongoing vision. So, you know, in a world where you're on to your next movie while they're doing everything they do um, to finish it up and whatnot. Yeah. That's that to me. Wasn't the story was that they did a test screening. Yeah. Back in June. That is a huge story because correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they've done that in well over a decade. And maybe they did it on Iron Man in the beginning, but Marvel has not had to test screen and has, test it tested internally for the part of its life so the fact that they went out to the real world to be like hey here's one of our movies um was brave but i I don't know why they'd bother at this stage in the game but maybe that shows how serious they are about course correcting or something like that and how did that screening go um, apparently, you know, they did a public screening in Texas and the audience gave the film quote, middling reviews. Um, and so, so yeah, it seems as if between this and the story we heard a couple weeks ago about Marvel TV and how they were changing the way they did things and recognizing the importance of a showrunner, a writer who was empowered to make real decisions, um, had some value to them. It seems that perhaps they're beginning to re-examine even internally, just the way they do things, um, including VFX, which was another big piece of this story, mm-hmm. um, which was talking about when the, the this past February, when the credits rolled at the world premiere of Quantumania, shock rippled through the theater over the, the, sh- the shoddy CGI. There were at least 10 scenes where the visual effects have been added at the last minute and were out of focus, says one person who was there. It was insane. I've never seen anything like that in my entire career. Even the kids of executives were talking about it. And the Marvel and the Ant-Man sequel had swapped places because they felt that Ant-Man Quantumania was in better shape than the Marvels was. And so they pushed up the Ant-Man production schedule by four and a half months. And then suddenly that required all of this VFX work to be done too quickly. You know, and, and apparently it, and I mean, I saw Quantumania, it didn't look great. Um, which is why, you know, 14 hour days in the overtime later, the Marvel VFX workers voted to unionize in September, um, which seems to have sparked off a big trend in the industry. Um, and then you get to the script issues, which I think were, were highlighted by both She-Hulk and Blade. Um, according to this piece in the original arc of She-Hulk, um, the transformation of Tatiana Maslany's character happened until late in the show it didn't take place until episode eight the penultimate episode but then marvel's brain trust uh decided to move it up till the very first episode and then you know according to to a person involved with she hulk the so-called bad vfx we saw was because of half-baked scripts that's not victoria alonso who uh who the the recently departed head of vfx and president of production i think her title was brain trust that made all these marvel movies i think she was there from almost the beginning yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's not Victoria, that's Kevin. And even above Kevin, those issues should be addressed in pre-production. The timeline is not allowing the Marvel executives to sit with the material. And all the while, Marvel was bleeding money with a single episode of She-Hulk costing some $25 million. 
dwarfing the budget of a final season episode of HBO's Game of Thrones. I mean, that seems... It's just, remember remember the heady days of the streaming wars? And we missed it. (laughs) I got a little taste pre-streaming wars when I was working for what was about to become Disney Plus, but they were calling the the streamer, Mm -hmm. the Netflix killer. That's what it was referred to internally as. Uh, And the Disney Channel folks were in charge of what would become Disney Plus in those days. So I got to write a Kingdom Keeper series and stuff. So I did get a little piece of that streamer money in terms of... They were just giving away shows on Disney Plus. Yeah. Like, they did Willow. Yeah, because when, like, Bob Iger left... You're not going to see Willow ever again because they fucking purged it. But, like, those days of the streamer wars are over where they're they're like, "We'll, we'll make anything. Just subscribe because we are the future and stuff and i I've, it's you know i we came at the right time because we were all indoors for the pandemic <laughs> but the course correction as we've now seen over the course of the last six months whether it be max formerly hbo max and david zaslav purging that girl and some other product and stuff mm-hmm. that see or disney doing the same with with willow disney plus or now saying that like hey man we're gonna pull way back on that marvel throttle um those those days are over man we missed it yeah we missed it and you know some of that was when bob Iger left and and quote-unquote retired from disney and left in the hands of bob chapek um Iger's last thing was launch this thing with as much content as you can like spool it all up, make it an unrelenting fire hose of stuff so that people have no choice but to subscribe. And then in the middle of the pandemic, it was the only sort of barometer for success for a stock price to be judged by. You didn't have theatrical grosses. You didn't really have theme park stuff. All you had was how many subscribers you had on your, on your streamer. And so while that was happening, like, yeah, no, it's great. It's stock is, is flying because we got to, we got, 20 million new subscribers for Disney Plus. And then the world opened up again. And suddenly they realized we're not making money on these shows with these streamers. We're not selling ads. All we're doing is getting subscribers and we only get that money once a month. <laughs> we have no new way to monetize these things. And suddenly they began like all finding a level, all beginning to like pull back on how much they produce, get rid of stuff on the rolls that they can get for a tax write off. And so now you're in this contraction phase of everybody saying we're making too many things and we don't know how to sell it. And also welcome to commercials. Would you like commercials on your Netflix? Now you can have commercials on your Netflix. Would you like commercials on your Hulu or on your Amazon? They're all coming because that's how you actually make money on television. Cut the cords. (laughs) Fuck legacy media. Future is apps. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Long live the king. Long live the king. Um, and continuing on the, the script train um, are the issues they've had with Blade. Um, with Mahershala Ali signed on, uh, things were looking promising for a 2023 release date, but the project has gone through at least five writers, two directors, and one shutdown six weeks before production. 
One person familiar with the script, Permutation, says the story at one point morphed into a narrative led by women and filled with life lessons. Blade was relegated to the fourth lead, a bizarre idea considering that the studio had two-time Oscar winner Mahershala Ali on board. Um, this is the thing that writer Michael Starberg tweeted. I worked on a draft of this before the strike. Never saw a version where Blade was fourth lead or it was a narrative led by women or filled with life lessons, but I suppose a lot could have happened since I had anything to do with it. He was in 99% of the scripts I was a part of. Um, so take all of that for what that is. But amid the reports that Ali was ready to exit over the script issues, Feige hired Michael Green, the Oscar-nominated writer of Logan, to start anew. And speculation around town is that the studio is looking to make the film now slated for 2025 on a budget of less than $100 million, a deviation from Marvel's big spending strategy. But then again, he kills vampires. Like, he doesn't fly, he doesn't turn into armor, he doesn't have superpowers, he kills vampires. It shouldn't be that expensive a movie, but we've always felt that, like, you should be able to make a Batman movie for $40 million, because he's a dude in a suit. <laughs> saw a bunch of people online get mad about the fact that the piece of the story said they might make it for under $100 bucks, but I'm like, that excites me, because that means they'll probably let it be R, and they'll really go for it. Yeah. Um, cause if they're not spending $200 million, then they don't have to make necessarily family money. Clearly they're okay with R rated because Deadpool is going to be it. So there's a chance that if you make that blade movie for under a hundred, man, you're going to get some fucking, you're going to get a cool flick. As long as they make a blade flick. I saw one of my favorite tweets online was about it. And it said, I wish I could remember it exactly, but it said blade movie. Vampires, what do you need? A roadmap? Like, but... <laughs> <laughs> from uh, <laughs> Barton Fig. <laughs> I don't know how this Blade movie's not done already. Like, of all the movies like that they're making, this one was made a couple times. So they got a template. So it's not yeah. like, how do we figure this out? It's like, what do you mean, man? Like, fucking. <laughs> You bring black, bring back Wesley Snipes as Whistler. You're good to go. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a dozen different ways to make this movie. None of them are overwhelmingly complex. No. Um, and again, it's like they didn't they make like nine of these back in the day. They only made three. <laughs> and done right. I'm not saying make the same three. <laughs> like if you're like, what do we do? What does he do? What are his powers? It's like go watch the movies. And let's write a script. Let's go, man. We're promised yeah. in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know what? Let's call John Carpenter. He'll have this done in like a month and a half, and it'll cost us $15 million. Just go. Right. Uh, and the last piece in this movie, in this in this story, and in Variety, was about like their failsafe of like, how do we get people back? How do we write the ship? And sources say there have been talks to bring back the original gang for another Avengers movie, which would include reviving Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man and Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, um, which, you know, it's a comic book, and also the Secret Wars and multiverses. Um, the studio hasn't yet committed to the idea, quote-unquote, um, because if it were able to bring these actors back, it wouldn't come cheap. Sources say that Downey's upfront salary for uh, Iron Man 3 was around $25 million. He probably got more for Endgame, probably gets back end and all of the toy grosses and whatever. 
they will absolutely do this and always were going to do this because that's what you get from the secret wars. That's what a multiverse gives you. It is not like a break glass in case of emergency. Let's spend the money, get them back. You're going to do it anyway. Um, so like, I, I, you know, I always thought that it would be like a hundred million to get him back. I mean, and they gladly pay it. <laughs> be worth every penny, man. You put him in a, in a flick again. Come on. How does it not make end game money? Yeah. You know? And I think that like reading this piece and then reading the internet's reaction to this piece, which seems to have been marvelous on fire. Oh my God. Fire everybody. Start a new um, case closed. It's like, no, Marvel, it's not on fire. There are issues, there are problems that they seem to be taking steps to correct. Um, some of those issues are bigger than others. Some of those issues are more difficult to solve than others. Um, but like, it's not like, you know, everything is rotten in Denmark. It's like, there's some stinky cheese somewhere. But you can you can put those fires out with, with some hard decisions um, and some quick actions. But yeah. It's not as if everything is 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 grapes out, tits up, and on fire. Um, but yeah, no issues. You want to know how I would course correct? No. I would get to Secret Wars as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, like, seriously, that seems to be their, you know, reprogram right there. Um, yeah. Gives them a chance to do whatever they want, bring whoever the hell back. Um you know, gives us, gives everybody what they want. Like, oh my God, let's watch them all fight each other like in Civil War, but now there's even more. It's like the end of Endgame, but it's two hours long. Um, also, you know, they paid an awful lot of money for the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. Like, put them in, coach. Hey. <laughs> Once again, I hate to be this guy, but if they're sitting around going, how do we make a Fantastic Four movie? They've made a few of these fucking things. <laughs> and if they're like, I'm baffled as to how to pull off an X-Men film, they've made a few of those as well. So I don't understand what the holdup is, man. Like, you tell me Guardians of the Galaxy took 10 years. I'd be like, well, of course. Like, fucking to build something that wonderful? Of course it must have taken a long time. But it didn't. And yet it's taking this long to kind of give us modern variations of movies that we have seen before. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that, that I think it's going to require a little bit of, of recalibrating how they tell stories. I feel like what was once an asset, which is everything is connected has become handcuffs, which is everything is connected. And like, I, I appreciate it. And yet I'm beginning to drop out of things. Like I didn't finish Secret Invasion. You know, I mean, I I probably will finish Loki just because, but not because I'm enjoying it, but because it's become an obligation. And I'm this person. If I'm a casual viewer, like I'm not watching all of this stuff. I can't possibly be interested in watching all this stuff. And so then you run the risk of alienating the very people who you need to come aboard and make a thing make $2 billion. Um, I mean, so I think that they have to kind of re-examine, especially on the TV stuff, how hardwired all of these stories are in together. Um, I think they, just as they're going to pay whatever it takes to, to get Downey back, they should pay whatever it takes to get Marcus and McFeely back. Like, those two guys from Captain America, the first Avenger on, 
were the spine structurally and emotionally of when those movies worked. Um, um, they, they left with the Russos and joined Agbo as sort of as like heads of story. Um, I think they're working on their own things, but you know, I think like when those guys were humming and when those guys give you winter soldier and civil war and infinity war and Endgame and, and they understand the spine of that story structurally and how to make it work. Like, come on, like put them in coach, pay them whatever they ask for. Because that's kind of also where things have been floundering. Structurally, they don't make any sense. And they don't tie into each other. They don't build to anything. I um, mean, those guys know how to do it. Um, so yeah, I there are issues. The house is not on fire, but there's smoke. Um, and there's a, there's a handful of things you can do to fix it, you know, including, yeah, make the X-Men. Um, ben Bamboo in chat said, bring back Favreau too. Hey man, no, no arguments here. Yeah. Favreau. Favreau made one of my favorite movies of all time, Iron Man. Um, well, lots to think about. A lot of people in chat are like, hey, don't rush him with the X-Men. Good news is nobody's listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> Never do, so don't worry about what I'm <laughs> old man shaking his fist at a cloud and shit. But mm -hmm. uh yeah, uh a lot of folks are like, don't don't rush it. Do the X-Men right. Yes, of course. We'd all like that. Right. At the same time, pretty please with fucking Wolverine on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tiny Canadian on top. That's how you keep the excitement. Like, you know, somebody in chat early on was like, they should have had the X-Men and Fantastic Four ready to go introduced at the end of Endgame. Like, that would have been amazing. I don't even know if they owned them at that point. I think they might have, but, like, that's yeah. smart business. But I feel like, you know, they were like, look, man, we got all the time in the world. Like, you know, you make Guardians of the Galaxy, you turn that into a hit. Don't you think, like, you could I, – I would assume that I'd be under the impression I could do anything. <laughs> um, that's how you get to Eternals. Like – and not by because saying anything about the quality of the movie itself, but like of all the characters on a very deep bench, you're, you're, you know, you're choosing a set of characters that very few, even hardcore fans knew much about. And that seemed to be a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, and that was also like, you know, post end game, we were still in the thrall of like, man, oh man, I can't believe they stuck the landing. But now you can see everyone's like, where's Thor? <laughs> what happened? I, like, everyone yeah. was back. I mean, I also think that, like, Endgame was an ending that we never got to have. And they just kept going. And it's like, you know what? If you guys had just taken, like, two or three years and, like, figure out what the fuck we're doing, figure out what's next, make us miss you a little bit, maybe drop in a Guardians 3 because that ends that story. You know, that, that, the, the fallout of Gamora dying, like that ends that story. We didn't need Love and Thunder. That doesn't do anything for us. We didn't need Shang-Chi or the Eternals, really. You know, Doctor Strange 2. Okay, I guess, but probably not. Like, none of those movies really scratch the itch other than the Spider-Man movies because they gave us Spider-Man. Give us more Spider-Man. We love fucking Spider-Man. 
And those movies didn't need to tie directly in to what happened once you get Tony Stark back. Once you get, you know, not Tony Stark, once he, once he dies at the end of Endgame and once Peter is living with that, that's that coda. It's, it's deal with the characters who died and then the characters who that impacts, which is Spider-Man and Peter Quill. But everything else felt like Chuffa that you could pull right out of that and not even miss a beat. But we needed to miss it. Let an ending be an ending and then find a way to do a new beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's always easy out here to be like, you know, they should have done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's hard when I'm sure Disney's like, we spent $8 million, $8 billion buying Marvel. Where's my Marvel money? I'm supposed to have Marvel money every year. And you're telling me I'm not going to have Marvel money? They don't have enough? Yeah. They paid their, you know, for itself yet? Absolutely. In terms of what they paid for Marvel and what they've made? Absolutely. You know, they they made what? 15 movies under the Disney banner, two of them being Infinity War and, and Endgame and Black Panther. Yeah, they made their money back. Um, well, enjoy Marvel kids. <laughs> like they're going to they're going to start thinning it out on us. Yeah. Which is how it was when we first got it. Like yeah, you had you had a movie a year, maybe. Um, you got to make them miss you. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. I think they were starting to feel to a bunch of people like more homework than anything else. So nobody likes homework. No, but I'm 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 I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm I'm I believe they can write their ship. I, I mean, personally, I'm not like they're in fucking trouble. Like. It's, yeah nothing like other than what i pay to see the movie <laughs> and i'm a fan of this material so like i'm happy to see wherever they go but you know they, they can they could definitely be getting into the x-men universe and the fantastic four a lot quicker for my tastes yeah um, um a couple uh, quick bits and other news very quickly other news i mean i saw a trailer i saw two trailers today mm -hmm. all guy with ryan gosling looks great which uh is scored by a bon jovi song <laughs> yeah it is in a big fucking bad way uh in a good way but like it's all throughout that trailer um and for those of us who grew up watching the fall guy on tv it's kind of exciting i'll watch <laughs> him do anything at this point um then I saw a trailer, uh, which I don't know if I was supposed to see, but it's, it's, it got online for Terrifier 3. Ooh. Yes, which is set at Christmas time. Looks good. I've never seen Terrifier 1 or 2, and so probably won't be seeing 3. Oh, really good. Like, that Damien kid is fucking talented, man. That's There's some really great horror movies. And he created his own horror icon with art. Art the clown. Um, all right, what other news we got? Uh, yeah, real quick. Somebody in chat said there's a new Planet of the Apes trailer as well. Yeah, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Looks good. I mean, they figured out how to do monkeys. Um, I mean, look, God, God bless them, but I'm always, you know, 
I grew up with uh, Roddy McDowell and rubber makeup. <laughs> Even though their mouths didn't really move that much, they just kind of moved a little bit. Mm. That makeup was brilliant. And you forgot, maybe because I was a kid, but like you forgot that that was a person under there and stuff. And, you know, now it's like full out CG effects and stuff, which, you know, great. Of course, March of Time progress, but, you know, it was really hard to convince us that shit was real using rubber makeup. And they did it. it yeah, they did it. Uh, I'm not favorite. like fucking old manning it where I'm like, used to be better in the past. I get it. Special effects are cool, but. These, these Planet of the Apes movies could cost a lot less is what I'm getting at. My, uh, one of my favorite set memories was visiting you on Cop Out and, uh, and Tracy doing his one-man rendition of Planet of the Apes. Lawgiver. <laughs> yes. You made a desert of it. <laughs> like every day on that show. <laughs> the Forbidden Zone was a paradise and you... <laughs> Desert of he he would like literally do it every day. <laughs> You're like Tracy, do the do the thing. <laughs> what thing? You know, <laughs> a happy memory, man. I forgot about that. That was a good time. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Cage apparently did not know he was going to be fighting a giant spider in the Flash. He uh, he said that when I went to the picture, it was me. It was not me. But when I went to go see the picture, it was me fighting a giant spider. I did not do that. That is not what I did. Um, he said, I showed, I went to the shoot a scene for maybe an hour in the suit, looking at the destruction of the universe and trying to convey the feelings of loss and sadness and terror in my eyes. That's all I did. Um, he said, everything else they invented in post. Um, He's like, I had no dialogue, so I had to convey with my eyes the emotion. I was on set for maybe three hours. Like, I don't know what happened, but they wanted a giant spider. I think what, you know, they were like, look, man, just stand there and look at the world as it falls apart. And, you know, he was like, yeah, I can do that. And he did it. And he was like, all right, bye. <laughs> and then I think they were like, I mean, that's all they needed him for. Mm-hmm could make a guy a superman that fought a giant spider i you know i think i don't think they shot in a cage and they're like hey what if we added a giant spider gotta assume that was always going to be part of it yeah i mean whether or not apparently to him they never told him about a giant spider so whether that was always the plan whether it was they cut it together like this and it's got to be something more than this and so they're like all right what if it's what if it's a giant spider do we have enough nick cage to do that it's like yeah we do sure yeah what <laughs> Have, if they knew it in advance or they knew it afterwards, they should have been like, hey, man, we're going to have you fight that giant spider. Like, <laughs> but apparently he was surprised by it. Yeah. Like, tell a brother what we're doing here. Um, speaking of Superman, Superman and Lois on the CW was coming to an end um, with its upcoming 10-episode fourth season, which will mark the end of the DC era at the CW. That's it, huh? That's it. The end of... Is that technically... That's still part of the Arrowverse, right? Or the Berlantiverse? Uh, definitely the Berlantiverse. I'm not sure if... Superman debuted in Supergirl. And Supergirl was definitely... Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's the last 
vestige of the Arrowverse or the Berlantiverse right there. So they're in season three right now? Um, they're in production on season four. Um, season coming up. This will be the last, you know, and they already did the thing where they, they took some series regulars and turned them into recurring. They trimmed the episode count. They shed a couple of writers. Um, you know, all of the signs that like, we are not going to keep doing this and we are cost cutting. And we're pretty sure that if we get another fourth season, we can sell in its syndication or it'll do well on streaming because it's got enough episodes to watch. But yeah, this is, this is the end of, of what had been the pillar of network television, which was the Arrowverse, the Berlantiverse, DC on network TV. Yeah. When, uh, DC wasn't, you know, fucking, um, before there was a multiverse in the movies, there was a multiverse in the Berlantiverse. That was really uh, the mainstream. Um, but uh, it was before the Marvel movies, that's for sure. Yeah. Those yeah, are, yeah. work on a few of them. I directed four Supergirls and three Flashes or two Flashes and three Supergirls. I think I did three Flashes. Um, <laughs> But, uh, man, good times. Indeed. Um, and that's it for the news. Oh, hey, Batman is here. I, this up, isn't uh, big news, but um, I was scrolling Facebook and an old coworker from like 20 years ago who's really into the MCU posted a thing, which was uh, he went on Reddit and he did a deep dive into the day that Tony Stark's funeral took place, which is apparently October 30th, 2023. So he <laughs> found on Airbnb the cabin that they shot the funeral sequence at and rented it on October 30th, 2023. And he and his family bought a 100-inch screen and projector and and watched by a campfire at Tony Stark's house uh the uh Infinity War and Endgame on the day he died. How cool is that? That's very cool. That's good use of time and money, right? <laughs> <laughs> like like we're all fans, but that's a fan. Like that guy <laughs> is a fan. How cool is that? Kevin. Where is that cabin? Anybody know? He didn't say. He kept it. I think it's outside of Atlanta. I think because I think it was on like fucking Zillow or something like that, or 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 Airbnb. Uh, we were just talking about the Berlanti verse, and there's a Ryan Reynolds commercial, as Matt Garcia points out. Did they talk about Ryan Reynolds, a Grant Gustin commercial? There's a commercial with mm-hmm. Lantern and the Flash. And, and they mention it like at the very tail end of the commercial where like Grant comes out. It's like, hey, this is our uh, our new director of public engagement, Seymour Roas. It's like, OK, hey, it's like, really, uh, you'll always be Barry to me. It's like, oh, thanks, Hal. Uh, so, it's, it's cute. That was cute. Um, it's in Atlanta, they're saying on the chat that. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, I, I guess the last piece of news, um, and I'm not sure how much it dovetails directly into the nerd world, but it's the the tragic, untimely passing of Matthew Perry. Yes. Um, very, very sad. 
Um, Matthew Perry passed away a couple of days ago, and boy, oh boy, it's a sh- I think he would have appreciated seeing all the love. Mm. Like everybody, you know, that show is such a big part of a lot of kids' lives. And when I say kids, I mean just people younger than me grew up watching the show, and then kids who weren't even alive when that show was happening now watch that show. So the same way, like for us, when we were kids, like the Brady Bunch was a part of our lives on a regular basis. Friends has been a part of, you know, the pop culture, the fabric of pop culture for so long, even after the show ended. um, It's staying power, you know, you could argue might be even more hardcore than, say, Seinfeld or something like that. Because there's a whole generation of kids that love Friends and all these kids that were heartbroken, you could see online. I'm, I'm, I saw him once in real life, Matthew Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the Virgin. Remember the Virgin Mega Center? Yeah, Megastore. Megastore. Um, it's uh, you know at um, I used to call it the Lemley Plaza, but that's no longer there either. Sunset Five Plaza, mm-hmm. maybe Sunset Plaza at this point. So they used to have a Virgin Mega Store there, and one night I went in um, on New DVD Day. I would always go in and, you know, get one of everything. Uh, and he was uh, there and he also had bought a stack of DVDs. He was in line in front of me. And I was not a friend's watcher, but I knew who he was. Um, he was apparently um, getting ready for a deep dive because he had a stack of them. And I respected that because I was a guy that all had a stack Seemed like a nice guy. Hmm. And by all reports, everything I've read all for the last week, everyone's like, what a sweetheart he was instead. Lisa Kudrow, I had her on the podcast a few times, and she always said that he was really wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I I, I was a friends guy um, because it was on NBC at like 8.30 and for most of my adolescence. You know, back when there were shows you would watch with other people, you know, it's like, it's Friends Night. We're going over Thursday. We're going to watch Friends. We're going to watch Seinfeld. And we're going to watch Cheers or whatever it was after that. Um, and so, like, yeah, I watched it from beginning to end. I, I've never seen it since because I'm. I, it just didn't, for whatever reason, it's not a sitcom I can rewatch the way I can rewatch some others, the way I can rewatch dramas. Um, I can watch Parks and Rec over and over and over and over again because it just makes me feel good. Um but friends was never that thing for me, but he was, he was a sort of Titanic figure along with the other five friends in popular culture for almost a decade. Um, you know, and then every now and again, you'd see him pop up in other things. Again, like two episodes of the West wing, like, Oh shit. Good for you. Some guy. Right. And he was, yeah. in- you know, studio 60 on the sunset strip. I watched even just because I was a Sorkin head and, you know, I, I guess the whole nine yards and the whole 10 yards, um, fools rush in. Like he did some, some somewhat remarkable, um, movie work, but he's always a friend's guy. And the, the, the quote that was circulating the day he passed, um, was very much sort of a quote from an interview that he had done within the last couple of years where he says, like, I know that when I die, um, you know, friends will be at the top of the obituary. Um, He's like, but I'd, I'd hope that I will have done enough work um, with things like the Perry House and things like talking to people about recovery and, and you know, substance abuse and finding your path and finding your grace. Like, I'd, I'd hope that that stuff would at least make a mention 
because I've worked very hard on myself and I've worked very hard to, to be able to extend myself to people in need in the way that I was in need. Um, which was just very sweet and bittersweet in the way that, that every time a person looks down the barrel of their own mortality and finds an interesting thing to say about it, um, you know, is always touching and sad. Um, but also speaks a lot to the progress that he had made in his own life. Cause he would say, it's like, I can watch any episode of friends and tell you exactly what my problem was at the time. And it was like, that was cocaine. That was opiates. That was too much food. That was speed. Like just by looking at his face and his weight, like he could tell what he was struggling with. So there I was clean and, you know, to have that kind of perspective on yourself and on your own life is, uh, is, is somewhat astonishing. Made a lot of people happy. Indeed. Um, sad. 54 or something like that? 54, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Bull from Richard Mall. Mm -hmm. From uh, Night, York. of course, to us in this world. Two-Face, Harvey Dent himself from Batman the Animated Series. Goodbye, Grace. <laughs> he passed away. What a legend. As you know, Night talk about a sitcom that we watched a lot growing up. Yeah. That was Night Court. Um who else? Somebody uh somebody else passed away as well. Um, I'm sure chat will remind us. Um, it's always a few seconds behind. Um Oh my god, chat is reacting like, oh no, not Paul, says Dan McGrath. Oh, Shaft, Richard Roundtree passed away. Richard Roundtree, yes. An absolute legend. Um, you know, not the first to ever do it. Um, Melvin Van Peebles is in the acknowledged very first black exploitation movie. Um, but Shaft was huge. Sweet Sweetbacks, badass song. Um, but yeah, you know, Roundtree and Shaft in Gordon Parks's, you know, seminal movie was the one that made the giant cultural impact was the one that made everybody realize it was money to be made by catering to a, to a black audience. And he was the definition of fucking cool and, and remained so uh, kind of until the end of his days and a legend. Um, nerd Tropolis pointed out Burt Young from Rocky also. Mm -hmm. so, um, and of course, Suzanne Summers. Since the last time we did a show, human child, Three's Company was a massive, massive show. Um, and she remained like popular. It feels like in almost every decade, she was like a Stallone. You know? <laughs> oh, right, like in the '90s, she had Step by Step. Mm -hmm. There was like Thigh Master. She was she was a permanent fixture on the landscape. And what a long marriage she had. Yes, yeah, fifty some odd years, I think, to that dude. Her, you were always seeing her and her man on talk shows and whatnot. They seemed very happy. Um, yeah, Suzanne Summers, huge part of our childhood. Yeah. Passed away. Baby uh, Sock Rocker. Is Melvin related to Marathon People's Dad? Melvin is Marathon People's Dad. Yeah. Um, Bobby Knight passed away? Yeah. I'm not a basketball guy, but I do know who that is. That's a shame. Um, Professor Dumbledore, what's his name? Michael Gambon. Oh, did we talk about that last I time? I think we hit that last time, yeah. 
Um, sci-fi, Sif this says, getting older is interesting. You're not kidding, man. <laughs> Oof. Remember when my dad um, was my age and he would talk about like, you know, oh my God, I can't believe John Wayne died. Oh my God, I can't believe this one died. Like all the stars of his childhood. It's now happening. And, and, and we're next. We're the stars of somebody's childhood, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for your childhood. <laughs> One day they'll be talking about us. Wait. Uh, but hopefully not uh, tomorrow because Lord knows I'm going to be in New Jersey. Talking about a good ass time. Yeah. You guys want to join us? Come to Smod Castle Cinemas tomorrow night. Uh, as I sit down and talk to the Russo brothers, we talk about Marvel, talk about their very storied career. You know, they directed You, Me, and Dupree, which is the same time as Clerks 2. So I'm going to be like, thanks, guys. <laughs> 140 million at the box office um yeah don't forget kids i'm gonna be in jersey and then minnesota if you're around this weekend i'm gonna be there on saturday me and the mall rats me and the clerks come take pictures get stuff signed twin city comic-con twin cities comic-con kids um there it is yeah man i'm gonna go catch a flight my friends Go but do that. We uh, have no show, kids, without uh, the largesse of Banff Man, who took time on his Thursday night to hook us all up so we could talk about the geeky stuff. Um, but there's no show without the guy down in the corner. And in the other corner, uh, give it up for marvelous Mark Bernard and everybody. Thank you, sir. Uh, and there it is, kids. Short one tonight, but you know, covered a lot of ground. <laughs> there it is. We are uh, we're out, man. For Fat Man Beyond. Tune in next time. No fucking how, how the fuck do I end this show? Um, for Fat, Fat Man I'm Kevin Smith, and I'm Mark Bernard. Tune in next time. Same Fat Time. Same Fat Channel. Smartcast.com or YouTube.com slash Kevin Smith. Jeff's kiss, everybody. Mwah. See you in New Jersey and Minnesota. This has been a Smodco Internet production. Sip. Only at Smodcast.com.